0: well good morning how are we good good we're excited to finally be here Um, we've only been in the country less than three weeks Pennsylvania greeted me with a speeding ticket so I've already got that out of the way and I also found out that I'm wanted in Ohio so that's new too so we got a lot of work to do we've only been here three weeks Um, actually I should clarify It took me about two hours to figure out why I'm wanted in Ohio, and it's from some traffic violation 13 years ago and a $50 fine I have to pay, so... (laughs) Laura will drive through Ohio when we go back home, so I don't have any issues, (laughs) but other than that, um, we'll be okay. Um, So, yeah, one of the things we have to adjust back to is, in Thailand, traffic signs and speed limits and which way to drive on the road are really suggestions. So here, it's more of a law, so I gotta pay attention to that so I don't have to pay any more fees. But well, we are excited to be here and uh, share with you what, what God is doing in Thailand. But first, we want to give an update on our family. Um, whoops, I went too far. There we go. Um, this is Liz. She never made the trip with us, if you remember. But we, she is still part of our family, so we didn't give an update on, on her. She um, moved to Virginia two years ago, Liz? OK, so about a year ago, she moved to Virginia. Um, she's wrapping up her uh, education, her major, at Liberty University in psychology with a, I guess, a special emphasis on child life specialist. Um, and she has a special someone. It's, it's that guy right there. His name is Brendan, and he makes me look very short. Um, <laughs> he is 7 foot 2, so I look like a toddler next to him. Um, so that's, uh, that's a quick update on Liz.
1: And then Kenzie, she's in her, will be starting her senior year at Spring Arbor up in Michigan, um, studying kinesiology. um, And then she wants to specialize in athletic training. Um, Many of you have been praying about her knee. She has had four surgeries now on the knee, still not right. So she'll, she was supposed to see a new doctor and when COVID hit, so she's kind of been on hold waiting to, get in an appointment with another, a new doctor, a new specialist to see if they can figure out what's wrong with her knee to get her um, living without pain. She's pretty much in pain every day. So um, continue to pray for her. Um, And she also has a special someone. They just don't like to take pictures together. So we don't have a picture of him. So.
0: (laughs) And we should say they're all sitting back there. This is the only church that our whole family will be together this year we're presenting, and so you guys are a little special. Uh, they're all over the place, so we're not together as a family very often. Okay, Maddie graduated this past summer from Chiang Rai International Christian School, um, so she will be moving back to the States. When we go back, we'll be a family of four when we go back to Thailand. Um, she will be studying uh, at Cornerstone University. Um, she has a psychology major, right? But, no, what's your...
1: Child, and adolescent, Child and adolescent Services.
0: So she's not quite sure what she wants to do with that yet. She just knows she wants to work with um, children who are in need. Um, so that is Maddie. In Thailand, she would hit every coffee shop. So her loves right now are coffee shops and um, bubble tea, but she's in for a rude awakening when she figures out what a coffee costs in the USA.
1: Um, and then Savvy. Savvy is thrilled to be back in America. Of everyone, Savvy probably missed America the most. So um, she's happy to be here. Um, She'll be starting sixth grade this fall and has been looking forward to going to school in America. We just got um, a message this week that the school that um, we think they'll be attending is going to do school. So. Hopefully our kids get to experience American school this year. Um, She, God bless her, answered to a lot of people's prayers with a great friend, Crystal, here. Um, So she has a great friend in Thailand. Um, You can see them riding bikes all around the neighborhood. And let's see what else about Savvy. Oh, Savvy also loves Thai massages. So even though she's thrilled to be in America, I think she's going to miss her Thai massages.
0: She doesn't want me walking on her back. (laughs) Katie, the baby of the family. Um, Now, Savvy, as excited as Savvy was to come back to America, Katie was quite nervous to come back, because she didn't remember a whole lot about America from her time before we left. So Thailand, she's even said to us, Dad, Michigan is where we're from, but Thailand's our home. So she is the one that, Thailand is her home, so she was really nervous to come back. Dad, all my friends are in Thailand. I don't know anyone at school, I don't know what school's like, so she was very nervous to come back, but she's enjoyed her time, her time with family this week, so I think we're easing her in to, uh, back to America. Um, she'll be entering the third grade um, this fall, and she loves animals. So some of you might remember that she was attacked by a dog when we were there less less than three months, um, and she had stitches all over her face. It hasn't stopped her from running up to dogs on the street, and just she just loves animals. So um, she loves everything animals. Actually, Laura suggested a movie that had a, a, a dog didn't make it in the movie, and she was mad at Laura for three days because the suit <laughs> suggested that movie. All right, and we have one more member of our family. Um, he looks different because he's a boy. We're not used to having boys in our family, right? Um, So many of you have read, if you read our letters, you know that we were praying for Foon um, to make it back. He got accepted um, and had a soccer scholarship to play at Cornerstone University. And we weren't sure if he could make it because he could not get an appointment with the U.S. Embassy um, to get his student visa. He finally got it, and then a week later, we were on a plane uh, heading back to the States. So Foon, we um, kind of overwhelmed him with family, with my (laughs) family, my crazy family, and then the Art family. Uh, he comes from a big family, so he's, he's fit right in. Savvy calls him um, our new brother, so uh, he has fit right in, and he's, what are you studying, Foon? Oh, social work, right? So Foon will be studying social work in, um, at Cornerstone University. So that's Foon, you can make sure you can say hi to him and, and make him feel uncomfortable, just like you do all the other, all the <laughs> other kids. All right, so there are some things when we went over that we thought we knew, and there were things that we had no idea that we didn't know. Um, so we'll, we just want to share a few things about what we've learned um, in, in, uh, in Thailand. The first one is, well, I will go out a little bit of order. Okay. Um, Thais won't <laughs> tell you no. That's something I had to learn. So like, if I had said, hey, do you want to come over for dinner? They'd say, oh, no, I can't. I'm busy tonight. Oh, let's make another night work. Oh, uh, no, that night won't work. They'll make excuses because they don't want to offend you by saying no, right? So I have to take my fixer. Let's fix the problem and put it aside, and just take the hint that no, Tim, they don't want to have dinner with you. So just <laughs> take that as a no. Um, or if like you say, hey, we're gonna go, I don't know, we're gonna go visit somewhere. Are you? No, I'm not busy, or, or I'm busy, I can't go, or I have to study, or they just they'll give you an excuse. They won't say no, I don't want, I don't want to go.
1: Or they'll say yes and message you like two hours later oh, and say, oh, you know what, I something came up, yeah. I can't go.
0: So no is not a word they use, they use too much. Foon will use it with us because he, he understands us now, but uh, <laughs> he doesn't care if he offends us anymore. But most times won't say no.
1: Um, be careful about what you say you like. Um, like in America, if you're at someone's house for dinner and what they serve you, you're kind of like, eh, I really don't like asparagus, but yeah, the asparagus was good. It was, it was good, and you take a couple, you know, thank you bites um, in Thailand, if you don't like it, just yeah. I'm really, I really don't like asparagus. That's what you want to say. Because if you say, "Oh no, your asparagus was really good. I liked it," you will have asparagus every time you see them. And they'll actually be stressed if you kind of just stop by to see them and they don't have asparagus. And they'll be like, oh, "We need to get asparagus for her because she likes it." When you really don't like it, or so. they drop
0: it off at your house. Or the- and if they don't see you eating it, then they'll be,
1: what, what's going on? Yeah, and then you, you have it? to sneak it into your garbage.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, be careful what you say, what you, say you like. Um, another one is gift-giving is exhausting. So um, trying to figure out gift-giving is, is an ongoing, I don't know if we'll ever understand it completely, but um, you're always <laughs> given a gift. Uh, so if, they go, if your neighbor goes away and just visits a city three hours south, they'll come and they'll give you a gift when they come back. So you have to start remembering, okay, I need to start doing this. I have to have 15 people in my mind to buy a small gift for when I come back so they don't feel like, oh, they're not, they're not important to me. Or I'm not, they're, yeah, they're not important to me. But if you make the gift too personal... Then they'll be like, oh, I'm really important. So you don't handwrite cards and give it to them because then you're just taken your, your relationship to a whole nother level and you didn't realize it yet. <laughs> um, and you also have to think, okay, you have to find something they don't have. So um, for poor families, you give, them, you give them money because they don't have much money. But you have to be careful because if you give them too much, then you stress them out because they reciprocate. So if you go to a wedding... Um, and you give them a cash gift, when something important happens in our family, they're gonna give us that exact same dollar amount back plus maybe 10 or 15 baht. So if you give them $100, they're stressing out because when it's their turn to give us a gift, they have to come up with $100 to give us a gift. So you have to keep their social, um, or their economic status in mind when you're giving them a gift. Another thing is if they're wealthy, you can't give them money because they already have it. So now you have to figure (laughs) out, okay, what can I give them that they'll feel that I thought about them. So it's, it's exhausting. Um, there are some Thai families, well, a lot of Thai families that have a book, a ledger book. And when you give them gifts, they keep track of what you gave them. They write the dollar amount. If you did a group gift, they'll ask, well, how much did they give? Okay, I'll write down how much they give towards the group gift. So that's gift giving in, in Thailand. Exhausting. Exhausting.
1: But it has been really fun though too. I've really learned to think of others. You know, I mean, when we would go on vacation with our family, we're, you know, thinking of our family. But since living in Thailand, I find myself, you go somewhere, and and I'm thinking of, oh, wow, I could pick this up for, even if I'm only at the grocery store, oh, wow, I could pick up some tea and bring it back to, you know, Savvy's friend's family because, you know, they go to the grocery store and they always bring something home for us. So it's, it's kind of been fun to just kind of, I've realized my thinking has shifted in, it's fun to think of others, it really is. <laughs> You're next. I'm next, Ready? okay, community is important. Um, yeah, so Thailand, it's the, the Asian community type of thinking, not the self, self-thinking. So if, when we go out to eat, if you go out to eat with um, some other Thai people, normally in America you go out to eat, you look at the menu, what do you want? You order your food, your friend orders their food, you eat your food. In Thailand, it's, okay, we're here, and at first, I would order what I wanted, Tim would order what he wanted, we'd order what our kids would want, and then the people we're with, they order, like, you might only have three friends with you, and they'll order 12 plates of food, and you're like, what in the world? It's because they're planning on sharing with everybody. Everybody just eats off all the plates, and, but then because we ordered for ourselves, now we have, you know, 20 plates of food, and we're like, oh my goodness. So we've learned that we kind of just, you pick about 12 things off the menu and order it, and we all just, you know, eat off. It's like family eating. So, um, again, that also is, is pretty fun.
0: We learned community the hard way, though, because we had a birthday party for, I think it was oh. Katie, maybe Savvy, I don't remember. <laughs> um, and we sent invitations to all our classmates in school. Well, an invitation to um, a Thai family is not for just that student. It's for their whole family.
1: Yeah. So, Their whole so, family or the well, family yeah, so, and their neighbors. Yeah,
0: so Savvy's friend came, and there were all these other kids. When I got home, I'm like, Laura, who are all these kids? And they said, well, it's her siblings, and then her neighbor's kids wanted to come, so they came, and they brought their Mabon, their nanny. So that was the, that was the birthday party. We had planned for 12 kids, and there were about... Twenty-five or thirty. So So everything is done in community, community. which is is fun. Um, One of the things we thought we knew was that Thais were Buddhist. And as we started visiting with Thais and engaging with them and learning more about what they believe, we found out that they say they're Buddhist, but they're not really Buddhist. They've got a mix of three different religions kind of in one. They have animism, Hinduism, and they kind of cloak it so they can call themselves Buddhist in Buddhism. So we're dealing with three different things, so that's why you see spirit houses and why they're doing things to appease um, ancestors that have, have died um, before them so that they don't come back and haunt them. So there's things that we're working through that, okay, we were going to come about it this way, but maybe we can't because they don't, they've got three different things that they're working through.
1: Mainly animism. Mainly that, animism. That would be their, I would say their main. When yeah. you watch what they practice, you know, they're religious, when they practice their religion, it's basically animism. Yeah, their daily life is animism.
0: Spirits. How they view the afterlife is more Buddhism. So, and that's where we learn that John 3.16 isn't maybe a good lead-in. Um, and I'm not saying all scripture isn't inspirational, but for if, you, if you lead in with John 3.16 to a, a tie, you're going to lose them um, for a couple of reasons. Um, the first sentence, for God so loved the world. Well, they have levels of gods. So their highest level of deity does not show emotion. There's no emotion. So if you say, for God so loved the world, your God showing emotion, he's not as high as our God. He's so, a weak God. He's a weak God. Um, that he gave his only begotten son. All right, so there was a son, there was a mother. Where's the mother God? Who, who's the mother God um, that, that we need to be considering, too? And then the last one freaks them out. Um, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That freaks them out because their goal is to live in a state of nothing, nirvana right? Mm-hmm. So everlasting life, they don't want that. They don't want to live eternally. They want to get to a spot where they're done living and they just exist in nirvana. So leading with John 3.16, we kind of had to put that on the back shelf, figure out a way to get them engaged with Jesus having power over the evil spirits, getting them to fall in love and want to learn more about Jesus. And then we'd start bringing that in as they start to learn more about God and, and, and Jesus and what we believe. So that's not a, that, was a, that was a lesson we had to learn. We may have freaked out a few times uh, <laughs> along, along the way. <sighs> okay, the last four years. Pastor Glenn said it. There have been some weeks where we're like, man, Laura, that week sure has been a year. It's been a long year in that last week. We have lived some long weeks, some long months, but mm-hmm. we lived some great weeks and some great months, mm-hmm. uh, great months too. Um, when we left... Um, oh, sorry. We thought God needed us to reach ties through the Clay Center Ministry and using sports, a ball and a field to reach ties. We thought that's what was needed from what we had talked to and uh, with some of our partners in the field It said, this is it, this is the way we need to do it. They're, they won't come any other way. So this is what we said, God, we're going to go, we're going to reach ties with a ball and a field, and it's going to be great. Um... And the Clay Center was supposed to be that tool. So for about a year and a half, we started working with there, but we quickly realized that there were some red flags going on with the ministry that we had joined and and become a part of. Um, And while we were supposed to be using these sports to build relationships and disciple Thai men, it wasn't happening. The sports was happening, but the discipleship wasn't. So it started to become frustrating um, for me. There, was, there wasn't there was very much accountability going on um, within the team, with the finances, with the ministry and what we were doing. We were all over the place. So I started having meetings with the team saying, hey, this we need to have a clear-cut vision and mission of how we're going to reach these ties. It's not just a soccer club. We need to start being intentional in, in what we're doing. And it was received with a lot of hostility. So for like about six months, it was just me running into a wall um, with some frustration and there were other problems that we didn't really know about. I don't know if you want to get into that. Um, that we weren't aware that were there when we, when we first got there. Um, but we saw some, we saw some side effects of some of the nationals that we were trying to reach and work with and that we had brought on were being treated very poorly um, and I was uncomfortable with that. So when I would bring that to the attention of the person running the ministry, it was not received well. Um, and I started questioning our finances. You know, what, what are we doing with, with the money that's coming in? And that wasn't received well. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of me coming home frustrated and just not knowing what to do and just reaching out to God and saying, God, what you brought us here. I thought this was what you had. This is yeah. what our plan was. What, what are we doing here? Um, keep going? Keep All right. Going. <laughs> um, so, so
1: here, our plan today. We really don't want to be up here, like talking at you guys. You you guys are our church family, your your family. So really, we just kind of we want to be talking with you. Like we spent the last week talking, you know, with my biological family. That's that's really like how we're really wanting to communicate with you guys today. So, um, yeah. All right. Just...
0: So here we are, here we are. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around what's going on with this ministry and we're we're starting to have some friction with the teammates we went out to work with who were friends of ours before we left mm. for the field. Yeah. So we're working with friends. Um, our relationship is starting to kinda be, be splintered. And then in the midst of all of this, our team says, Hey we need to plan a church <laughs> And we're like, what? What? <laughs> you, we've got some issues.
1: <laughs> like, why, why do we want to plan a our, church with
0: all of this? Our,
1: yeah, our heads were We started to spin just spinning and they, they're talking about this, and nobody's agreeing. You know, these teammates want it to look this way, but the person they want to lead the church, he's saying, no, that's not how I'm going to lead a church. This is, you know, how I, I view church, and, and they're not agreeing, but let's, let's move forward, and we're just kind of sitting there like, but we still even have all of these issues back here that we can't get straightened out, and what is going on? <laughs>
0: so we had some resistance to that but the church was started. And so we're like, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna kind of step in and, and see, see where we need to serve and help out. And with us, it was the kids. So in this mess though, God's starting to work. We're starting to build relationships with, with kids that have come from children's homes and with some teenagers. And then we started a university program and things are starting to kind of work. And we're like, all right, God's working. I guess this is where he wants us to be. Um, we, we took these kids down to a church camp. Um, and six of them got saved and, and were baptized uh, that week at the camp. So we were getting excited, saying, okay, God, this is maybe where you want us working. We're we'll, we'll still working with the Clay Center and dealing with those issues, but you have us in this church. Um, and we'll, it wasn't what we thought we were going to do, but we'll keep doing it. Um, we had university students coming mm-hmm. over our house every week, and it was just we were starting to find our groove. But and as
1: then, that was, was happening... Um, the other, one of the other couples that was there, part of our team, had come home on their furlough. And we hadn't really realized that they were seeing all the same things we had been seeing. Because, you know, we kind of got there, we thought, you know, are we crazy? Are we seeing this right? Because every time we would say something, you know, we were told, you guys just haven't been here long enough. You don't understand. You don't understand. So we, okay, we just need to be here a little longer. Maybe we'll understand. So we were just kind of dealing with this, like, on our own, um, and, and, and communicating with God and not realizing that our other teammates were going through the same thing we were going through. Um, it, but they had been there a little longer than us. So they had come home on their furlough and had kind of started talking with leadership in our agency, um, past our, our pastors from our sending church. And, and they realized, okay, it's time for us to step in and get involved. And so they came in and started getting involved with um, the team members who were really struggling with some personal issues in their life and with what Tim already mentioned, with the treating of nationals and non-accountability of of finances and and everything. And that did not go well.
0: So then the real crazy began. (laughs) Um, The teammate that was leading the church left the field. He went went back to the states to work stateside for a while until some of the other issues were were worked out with the other teammates that were on the field. so he left, which left the national Thai pastor to run the church by himself. And he said, I don't want to do this by myself. So he, so within two weeks from the one teammate's leaving, and we're still trying to figure out what's going on, the, the decision was made to close the church. So and the church is closed. So now we're like, God, what, what is going on? And here's all on? these kids that
1: we loved that we had been pouring into, and, and it's, like, done. It's, it's done. over. Um, and... I mean, this could be a really, really long story, but you know, we gotta keep this short. Um, because of, of how it was handled really badly from the, the teammates that were there and then their, their twist of, of things, of what they were saying to nationals, it, it became where we had to really separate and pull back so we couldn't, we had to totally separate from these kids that we loved in order, for, for safety. Um, to protect protect them and to protect us from um, what what the other nationals wanted to do.
0: The church closed, and then about three or four weeks after that, um, I met with the Clay Center staff, and it was just pretty much told to me, yeah, we don't need you here, so why don't you just step away? So I stepped away. Um, And I got home that night, and God just brought this incredible peace on us. I was kind of like, I'm kind of free to start doing. I didn't know what was next.
1: Like everything I was, was done. Like, the church was done. These kids are done. Now clay center is done. It's what we told everybody we were coming here to do. Like everything's done, and we're sitting at home and we're like, but
0: we were at peace. At peace. God just brought this peace to us, and He brought these verses um, to mind. I want to read to you um, this morning, um, Proverbs sixteen nine. Uh, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Um, and then in Proverbs, again, Proverbs 19, it says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So we're thinking, God, you need us to come to Thailand. Our plan is to um, run these, these sports ministries here to reach the Thais. But God really used that ministry, sports to reach Thais, just to get me to Thailand. Because I wouldn't have gone. Um, I was comfortable where we were living, and if it wasn't for the idea of sports ministries in Thailand, I'd probably still be here. So God used that ministry to get me to Thailand. He didn't need me there to do anything with that ministry. Um, and we start, to, we start to see that unfold, because as we said, God, what's next? What do you have for us? We've only been here two years. We're two years into this. What What's next? For me, it was to dive in and go deep with the Thai language. Um, I was with a Thai tutor and working with the Clay Center, I was canceling a lot, so I wasn't grasping the language as fast as I wanted to, and it started to be a hindrance because when I would go to a university and meet with a student, I could only go so far with him. Um, I couldn't really carry on a deep conversation with him. Um, So I I started going to class five days a week and was studying Thai two hours a day plus homework. Um, And I met a man named Sam Lin, he became my, kind of my culture coach too, and kind of helped me understand better ways to reach
1: all those things that we thought we knew that we didn't yeah. know.
0: <laughs> he retaught me, and I started to absorb the culture and, and the mind of what a Buddhist or a Thai thinks. Um, and he was the one that explained you can't go into a Buddhist perspective; you have to take all three of these things in, in, in mind too. Um, so he really started to help me grow in understanding what's what's understanding Thailand. It was it's been a great it's been a great two years as that goes.
1: Um. And, and I just kind of was like, okay, God, now what am I supposed to do? Um, and he just said, you know, what have I commanded you? And that's to love people. I'm like, well, who am I supposed to love? And he just said, whoever I put in your life each day, you just see them and love them, and I'll let you know what that's supposed to look like. And, and it's been crazy, the random people I've been meeting, and my Thai is not very good, so God keeps bringing English-speaking Thais, or English-speaking Chinese, or just English speakers to me, and I've just been meeting people, and building relationships, and having crazy conversations about who Jesus is with them, and um, are you... Going to oh, Geet? Yeah, it's going to Geet. Okay. Um, so one of them is Geet. Um, and if you've read our newsletters, you've kind of stayed up to date with her. She was a girl who worked in the bars um, pretty much doing whatever she could to make money to survive. Um, and her sister had, had pulled her out of that a couple of years ago and um, paid for her to go to cosmetology school. Um, but it was going she, – she wasn't doing very well with it, and she was still being treated um, not well. And so she was really feeling like she wanted to get back into the bar life because she could make more money there. Um, so her sister reached out to us and was like, can you guys help me here? And so we came along, alongside, like, okay, how can we help – Um, counsel you Tim um, counseling her and starting her own salon and helping her know what a business plan looks like and just mentoring her through that and I kind of spent my days with her let's go shopping for what you need and crazy thing is she hardly speaks any English and I hardly speak any Thai but somehow we were able to communicate and and just her seeing our life and seeing Tim like he's a good guy he does your dishes. He does just different things he would do. She's like, he's a good guy. And so me being able to share with her, like, he loves Jesus, and Jesus tells him he needs to love me. And so that's why he is the way he is. And so she started becoming attracted to this, wanting to know more about Jesus. So she started coming to church with us. She never misses a church service um, if she's in town. And... Um, a few months ago, I just finally said, okay, would you like to start doing a Bible study so we can go through the Bible slowly and, and you understand more who Jesus is? And she was all excited about that. And so um, I asked the pastor's wife of our church to also do it with us so that, one, to help with translating because I need a lot of help when we're talking about, you know, Bible things. Um, and also, they've built a relationship now. So when we left, it was very easy to just let them continue on with the Bible study. Um, so it, I tell you, studying the Bible with someone who's never even heard the name Jesus before is so fun. And you see so much more of who Jesus is when you have someone sitting next to you just saying, so, you know, this person had, you know, was lame, and Jesus said, okay, get up and walk. He, so just like Jesus said, get up and walk. Just like that? Like, yeah, just like that. He just said, just walk. Yes. Just walk. Yes. Huh. Really? Just walk? Like, she, this is blowing her mind that Jesus can just go walk. Go, okay, see. Speak. Like, she's just amazed at his power and his love like she's seeing Jesus love um, women she is just soaking it all up
0: so she's not saved yet we think she's close uh, we handed her off to Jeet the pastor's wife and she's a bulldog so she's we're, we're just waiting for that message any any day now um, that that Geet has accepted Christ um, some of the other we things um, were just one-on-one discipleship. I met with M. He's, he's a believer, but just had no discipleship in his life. So he was dating a non-believing girl, and he said, hey, you know, what, is, is, there, is that a problem? So we just kind of walked through, you know, what that looks like. And and I said, "M, you need to start witnessing to her. He goes, oh, I don't think she want to become a Christian because I don't treat her very well. I said, okay, <laughs> let's step back and let's talk about you know, how God tells us to treat people that we love, all right? Um, so just having good good meals and, and with Em is great. Um, phone is another girl who has come to our house. She comes every week and just meets with us. Sometimes it's us helping with her homework. Sometimes it's talking um, with her about just God and Jesus. When we first met her, she was very depressed and um just ready to take her life um and now she's just full of joy um it's just great and in fact she's she's gotten involved the church we we bring all the kids that that we disciple to church with us because we want them to get plugged into a thai christian community um and she just embraced the family of, of church and started inviting her friend ploy to come um, so she invited her university friend Ploy to come with us um, to start coming to church with us. And Ploy's been coming to our house. And, and Maddie has struck up a good friendship with Ploy, too. Ploy's not saved yet, but she's asking all the questions. She reads her Bible. We bought our Bible for Christmas.
1: And Phone and I started a Bible study also. And Phone, um, as we're studying, I'm like, okay, now, because. Ploy wants to do a Bible study, but Ploy's a little nervous about doing the Bible study with me. And so um, I said, okay, well, phone, you do it with Ploy. Oh, no, 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 I can't. I said, well, everything you just told me you learned, you just go and do it with her. And she's like, I can lead a Bible study? I'm like, yes. So phone is um, trying to mentor Ploy now in in a Bible study.
0: And it's neat. They're still sending us messages uh, every week, so we're staying in contact with them. Um, We miss them, and they were pretty sad to see us to see us go um because they're like you're never gonna come back so we're coming back just it won't be for 10 months <laughs> <laughs> um we've also been to really go deep COVID really helped us go deep with our neighbors we were all we all quarantined together and we really got to go deep um with some of them um here it's just a picture of me cooking out with all the wives because the wives do all the grilling in Thailand and
1: another cultural I don't lesson let Laura we learned my
0: grill and, and <laughs> so I grilled with all the wives while the guys sat and we served them um <laughs> So, and I felt like the worst
1: <laughs> wife in the world. <laughs>
0: um, so, but we've really built great relationships with, with our neighbors through COVID. And we even had like neighborhood kid workouts in my driveway. So um, we got to hang out with the kids a lot and hang out with their parents. And we've really been able to connect with them and just kind of see where that, and we've had great gospel conversations with them too. It confuses them um, because they, you know, they're, they're nowhere close to even knowing anything uh, about about God, but, uh, we're, we're able to start having those conversations with them. Um, so also while in the waiting and asking God, what's going on, what's going on, we, we built this relationship with this, uh, this couple, this family, Nate and Steph. Um, they're from Colorado. Um, they
1: they had a, been in a house church um, and one of the couples in the house church owned a coffee farm up in the mountains, and he finally said to them, you know, there's, there's churches here in the city, but there's nothing up in the mountain in my village, so I want to go back to the village and start a church up there, but I don't know how to do that. What do I do? And so Nate and Steph went with them to kind of help just start doing Bible studies and invite your family or invite some of your, your neighbors, and they started doing that, and it, you know, has turned into a church, and it's grown um, there's been salvation and just discipling and and so and the people who are saved are wanting to reach more of their neighbors now and so it's about time like Nate and Steph are like okay you're doing well it's time for us to get out of here and, and they weren't
0: planning on doing that either It just kind of got dropped in their laps and they built this relationship and this church started out of it and they're like wow this is more than what we can handle so we were talking with them about this and I spent some time up in the mountain village with Nate checking out what he's doing and they said hey Let's just form a team and start doing this in more villages. Um, so here's our new team. Does it show up? All right. So there's Nate and Steph and their and two kids. And there's our family. Well, Maddie will be with us in spirit. She won't be there uh, physically anymore. But this is our new team. You can start be praying for Nate and Steph, the Crandall family, and us. And our vision for ministry will be to um, focus on a village for two years, We'll just be laser focused on one village for two years, and we want this village to have little or no church engagement at all. So it's going to be a, a new village, new to the gospel. Um, and it's going to, the villages we've start, started working and looking at are east of the Chiang Rai city, about thirty miles from where we live. Um, and there just is not there's not much going on as far as gospel or church planting or anything anything in that in that area. Um, we also want to make sure that a national is leading it. So we're we're looking for nationals that have tried to plant a church, or who have a a passion to reach the people in their village, and they're going to be the lead of everything. So we're going to come alongside him and his wife and his family and just kind of encourage them and figure out ways that we can help them do that. Um, Number one, they're going to have the capability to do all the follow up. So if we do an outreach event in that village with him, he's going to be the one doing all the follow-up with the people in his village. And we want to work with the resources that Village already has. We don't want to start taking on this big building project and build something and then leave, and then he's stuck, stressed out, trying to figure out how to keep it going. We're going to talk to them, say, what do you have? What are you working with now? And we're going to work with those resources and figure out a way to help you loosen the soil uh, in your Village. Some ideas that we have to do that, that Nate and I have come up with, are after-school programs. We speak English. They and I both love sports. So we can go in and... and, um, go into schools in the area and say, hey, we can offer these after-school programs. Or actually, the national will say, hey, d- can we do an after-school program? I'll bring in some foreigners, and we'll make this work uh, for you. And then he can start building some relationships with the people in this village. Um, when small groups come from the states, we'll do camps in those villages. Um, going into the schools, actually helping, yeah, we need, we need to wrap <laughs> up. And then the one, that, one of the things I'm excited about is business startups. I, I found out this foundation in Bangkok that has buyers for these ornaments. These are Christmas tree ornaments. And this foundation goes into these poor villages and they create businesses, small businesses for for the women in the village. So Nate and I will work on getting the fabric and the material, um, setting up a small business that the pastor's wife will manage and run. And then they share in all the profits of, we already have buyers for these. So throughout this business work week, the pastor's wife can do Bible studies and things like that to reach the people in the village. Or... These are just ideas. Whatever else the national says he needs help with, we're going to step in and help um, and do that. So that's what we're excited about. We're excited to start getting laser-focused into unengaged villages and just figuring out how can we help you loosen the soil to reach the people that you want to reach. So you can be praying God's direction. We have a couple, two or three in mind already. Uh, we just have to narrow that down to one so that we can start working on that uh, when we get back. Um, and this is how you can pray for us. Pray for, as the girls in Foon transition into their U.S. schools. Um, it's new to all of them, so they're going to have to readjust getting into schools. Um, for Geek, Ploy, and Awe. Awe is Geek's older sister My tie to um, her. for their salvation. They're, they're close. We've had good conversations, so we're hoping that they will um, they will come to know the Lord while we're here. Um, visas. It's an ongoing struggle to stay in the country. We have yeah. a couple of options that we're working through right now. One is very expensive. Um, one is not very expensive, but it's Going to require a lot of work, so we're looking working through those options um, so that when we go back, we're not having to figure out what we're doing every three months like we have been the last the last year and a half. Um, financial needs through COVID and just expenses increasing, we're now about we've lost some support, so we're about a thousand dollars a month short. So we'll be spending our time here raising that. So you'll be praying that we've got some meetings with churches and families that um, God will lead them to join us financially and we'd have, we'll have some outfit and passage needs, like buying a new car, and if the visa thing, we have to pay for the visa expenses, it's going to be quite expensive. So we're working through that and seeing how God provides there. And finally, when God gives us the clear direction for which village we need to go to, we'll just, we'll see it, and we'll stop asking stupid questions. Like, are you sure, God? Is this what you want? Well, what about this? Once he gives the direction, we'll shut up, we'll say, okay, God, that's what we're going to do. Um, so that's how you can be praying for us. We didn't leave any time for questions. I'm sorry. Sorry. But we'll be out there. You can ask us uh, any questions that you have afterwards. And um, yeah, we're excited to be here. And we'll be back probably in a couple of months, a few months, Christmas time. We'll be back and we can ask your questions again. Oh, one more thing. If you're not receiving our newsletter and you would like to, we send one out every month. Email the church with your email address and they'll send me a list and then I'll work on getting you guys all on that before we send out our next one here in the next couple of weeks.
1: We love you guys. We love you guys. We're so thankful. Thank you for partnering with us
0: um, and for all your prayers and encouraging Mm -hmm. emails that we get and letters. Um, It means a lot to us, so thank you.